Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Najda Tsatharyan. I'm the editor of the tech section here at EVN Report. Today, our guests were Sarkis Garapetian and Naga Gebarkian. Sarkis is the CEO of Embritech, and Naga is the chief design officer of Embritech. Embritech is a wearables company in Armenia that integrates Web3 technology into their products. We spoke about their smart soul product, how they incentivize their users through crypto rewards, the challenges of building a hardware product, and the future of wearable technology. Thank you for listening. Sarkis, Naga, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the invitation. My pleasure. Let's start with a little bit of your backgrounds. Um, how did you guys get started in your careers and what made you want to build a startup? So I'm coming from the design background and at school I was an A student and almost every single teacher thought that I will follow their path, becoming a doctor, especially when my father was a doctor or a mathematician or, or something, but not a designer. They were shocked when they heard that I have chosen a design. Actually, my doctor dad was one of the biggest motivators that I followed the design path and he woke in me the love for art, for design, for uh, systems, for quality and, and that stuff. So I started exploring uh, art and design in National Aesthetic Center in Armenia and had a great mentor and teacher, Vahagan Bagdasarian, who first talked about design and designer. It was like 2002 when I, I have heard about design and um, my mission started to create physical products that can give better quality to people's life. Then I uh, studied at TUMO. I was the f- one of the very first students at TUMO. I went to Yerevan State Academy of Fine Arts, uh, product design, and eventually I explored every single shade of design, graphic design, UI, uh, UX, product design, and eventually we founded our own company with Sarkis. Back then, he was an engineer, passionate engineer, and I had many questions. I had many uh, thoughts that we can build together, and we started prototyping, bringing to life physical products, and that's that's how it started. Is there one product that you remember seeing that made you really fall in love with product design, that made you want to build and design products like that? I can't remember exact product, but there were a website, Yanko Design, that was kind of a motivation for me. I was scrolling all day with the bad internet connection. <laughs> I was scrolling all the day uh, looking through the products which, which are worth to showing uh, in that website. And uh, I was reading descriptions and thinking like how smart are there and how they did it. And it motivated me to build uh, another product. Cool. Sarkis, what about you? Now mentioning features uh, reminded me my childhood. So I grew up in my dad's hardware lab. My first toy was a soldering station. And then uh, we moved to Artsakh and started living full village life. And I was having conversations with my dad about semiconductors, logical elements like ores and and while posturing animals or planting trees. Of course, uh, sports was a very important part of my life. I used to run every day with my dad uh, from 5 to 10 years. During village time, there were no time for run, but I, I was practicing wushu and table tennis. Um, so I can't imagine my life without sports. Also, one thing that uh, made me care about fitness and health 
is that my dad had a back issue on his 40s. And I thought, I'm not going to have that. But when I reached 30, I realized if I don't take action, I, I would have the same uh, fate. Mm. That being said, it was obvious I'm going to, to become an engineer. I was dreaming to become a, a pilot. Then when I saw a computer, I fell in love. I was not, I, I didn't have sleep. Like I was dreaming about coding and hacking and stuff like that. And that brings me to Polytechnic University, computer science, where I did my bachelor's. And uh, then 10 years I spent in software and got bored of virtual, only virtual world. Then I, what I loved um, the conversations with Nare is that we were talking about real products you can touch, but also talking about uh, how we connect the virtual with the real. That what excited me, and we started prototyping and prototyping. But then we realized no one is using the products, and then we decided, well, we we gonna pick one project and bring it to life and and sell it. And then we realized, well, oh wow, that's a startup. They call it a startup. They call it, uh, uh, oh, uh, we can't fund it. Uh, you need money. And we learned what is VC. Right, and then uh, we like accidentally we become entrepreneurs. Got it. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the founding story of Embrytech. Tell me how you guys came across this product idea and uh, how you decided to start the company. The initial idea was just: can we have a variable scales that can uh, remind people or help people when their weight is scrolling up on them? But eventually, back then, we never thought that it will become a great big tool for wellness management and have many applications. As a designer and as an engineer uh, for Circus, it was mainly a kind of a challenge and to satisfy our ambitions. Can we build it? Because we, we were looking for a technology available for measuring people's weight without standing on a scale, but we couldn't find. So we started to build it as a technology and as Sarkis already mentioned, we, we never heard of startups, VCs, uh, even we, we didn't know English that time. <laughs> what year was this? It was 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when we started to cook the idea and uh, we got uh, introduced to that startup ecosystem. We got our first grant uh, and then we flew to uh, Silicon Valley. We participated in Draper University entrepreneurship course. Oh, wow. and. Uh, and we started to feel that energy of entrepreneurship and building the business. Mm -hmm. we, we started to learn how to do sales, how to pitch, how to talk to your customers, users, and how to collect the feedback from them to build better products. So, uh, and um, tell me about the product. What are you guys? What problem are you guys working to solve today? As I already said, Embry insoles are measuring like weight fluctuations, physical activity. But when we have built the product, we shift, we understood that sometimes just having the data, it's not enough to motivate mm -hmm. people to move more. So we were thinking about new ways how we can motivate people to move. And it's scientifically proven that when you switch people's focus from the behavior itself by incentivizing them, motivating them, with points, with rewards, with money, with other social benefits, 
they start to uh, do what, what, whatever you uh, right. wanted them to do. So uh, we were thinking about like how we are going to motivate mm-hmm. people to move more. And now we ended up to have a product by Embry Tech, which we call Motern by Embry. Uh, Motern is a lifestyle application in Web3, which connects virtual and uh, real worlds and uh, rewards people for moving. And this is the only one right now in the world available, which connects the physical variable device to the uh, move to earn application. So we decided to go with the name Motern. We created the name. Uh, we combined the uh, mot, which is like Latin word for move, movement. It stands for uh, in the roots of motivation, motor, motive, and everything. So uh, we combined mods to earn and created new world which will modernize the world. We will change the way people think about movement, about earning, like how, how you can combine that two things. And also we have chosen as a visual, as a logo for us, the green traffic light uh, walking man. Uh, so first it is visual command for move. And also you need to walk, not drive in a city to to see that sign. So we are kind of mixing that two concepts of move and mod to earn uh, became uh, a new product of Embry. So it's now modern by Embry. I'm really interested in the crypto rewards aspect of your business. But before we get there, let me ask some questions about the early days of when you guys started shipping your product. So now today we're in uh, spring 2022. You started taking orders in 2021 and shipping early 2022? Mm, early, we started? No, uh, late 2021 started shipping you in started November, shipping? but it was like small batches. Small batches, yeah. okay. And did you guys start manufacturing the actual physical wearable in 2021? We started manufacturing f- physical wearables 2020. Before that, it was prototyping yeah. and so on. We tried uh, to do it in China, in Armenia, and in U.S., but now stopped on U.S. What was that experience like trying to do it in, in Armenia? Hardware is hard everywhere yeah. in the world, but especially in Armenia, we don't have uh, good means of transportation, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't have available materials. Right, Everything we have to export and uh, frankly speaking, we don't have really good regulations regarding uh, import and export. So you face a lot of issues and, and delays. And we, we tried to compensate it with building whatever we, we are able to find. This is uh, how you get creative. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to go masses, uh, it's uh, yeah. almost impossible to do it fully in Armenia. Can you give an example of what import-export regulations need to change to better support hardware startups in Armenia? Oh, uh, so we have a document on this with the hardware community. I'm also uh, running a hardware community on a side trying to get together, helping each other, like hardware yeah. founders. The, the main problem here is... Uh, that we don't have anyone in the customs that and um, that differentiates like resistor from the cup mm. right so and every time there are delays and they they have like regulations that are coming from soviet union there are parts that used to be double purpose 
let's say military or uh, right. agricultural that you have to get a license or uh, something like that from security or for, from military or from agricultural ministries that is very simple thing today and you have everywhere yeah and still you have to get this license right and like it's uh, there are a lot of complications and uh, also one thing to mention is that you are paying uh, like five times more to brokers than to uh, to the uh, to the country. Like oh. then the ta- taxes are very small, right. but uh, import export taxes is not uh, is not bad. But the brokerage services that you have to do go through is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that perspective before, and you don't off- you don't hear about too many hardware startups in Armenia yet. So yeah. that might be one of the reasons. Okay, so you guys ended up deciding on manufacturing the product in the U.S. I think it's always hard to be a hardware startup, but it's especially hard these days. We constantly hear about supply chain issues and things of that nature. Um, so how have you guys managed to navigate these hard times? Sometimes we have to disassemble our old models to get some parts to, to ship new ones. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we use our channels, the manufacturing partner in, uh, in Los Angeles we have, uh, Career Technologies. The president, uh, Armen, uh, is our, in our advisory board and we use his power and, and channels to source things that, that are not available for small companies Startups. like ours. yeah. So let's get back to the product. As you said, you guys started shipping late last year and you noticed that the product wasn't necessarily being used as much as uh, you expected it to. And you felt the need to pivot to a model that incentivized people to use the product more. How'd you guys end up making that decision? Um, what data points were you tracking and, and how'd you guys... Uh, come to that conclusion that you needed to pivot there are two parts of uh, decision the customer part and the technology part i'll try to cover the technology part and leave uh, the customer part to nare so the technology part is that we realized our technology is very unique in a way that we are really precise and reliable in terms of physical activity tracking and we are tracking uh, little uh, details that no wearable can do let's say are you sitting or standing right are you actually walking or mingling around right like are you running or walking like it's it's really hard to differentiate but we we do but then uh, the question raises who needs this accuracy right right and here we come when uh, you design for, for the user, then most probably users don't want to lie themselves, right? Cheat themselves. But if uh, you, you have to reward people for doing physical activity, all of a sudden you have a new stakeholder that is interested whether users are walking or not. Right. So uh, one of the decisions that made us to shift uh, was that and talking from the customer perspective we have noticed that people initially love the product they order they buy they love the packaging they love the feel even there are people who wear the insole every day but sometimes they forget to charge or Mm. sometimes they don't find just having the data very helpful for moving more because they just ignored data or some, something like that. Before shifting, we started to explore the dangers coming from sitting more. And um, it turned out that like average American sits like more than ever in the history 
during the day. It can be like more than 15 hours a day. It's not the sitting uh, that kills ourselves, but uh, the the lack of movement. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were thinking like, how can, can we make that people to move more and to, even to interact with the product, with the application, why they should uh, open the application, why should they charge their device? And we came across to that move to earn concepts and its emerging market. And unlike other applications in the market, as Sarki said, we can uh, precisely differentiate the activities. Mm-hmm. That's why we can we can have that uh, rewarding system in more uh, reliable economics. Right. So right now I purchase the Embry Smart Insole, the Mo- Motern Smart Insole. So you are buying an, an Motern NFT. Yeah, you are first. buying Motern NFT oh, okay. shoe. So there's a whole new aspect to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Walk us through from start to end. All right. So uh, first users have to uh, buy one of the CT NFTs of Motern. Uh, CT. You're gonna have to explain what an NFT is too, because okay. I don't think we've spoken about it on the show yet. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> not uh, too technically, but just. Okay. So NFTs were uh, with us for ages. Uh, let's say uh, your passport is an NFT, non-fungible token. Uh, So a token that gives you certain utilities, access to certain things. Um, We call it non-fungible tokens. Now in the virtual world, before it was not available because we have uh, like uh, control C, control V, copy paste. Right. And blockchain technologies came here to allow us to have non-fungible tokens in virtual world, in digital world as well. Right. Okay. So those who are familiar with NFTs, most of them um, like uh, connect them to artworks. That is one use case of NFTs that took off, that uh, it has a value. But uh, NFTs uh, could be like exploited more. It's just the beginning. And now we see a trend of uh, u- uh, utility uh, NFTs. And one of the utility NFTs we are introducing, uh, like we are introducing a new category of NFTs, right. which are dynamic NFTs, and we call them connected tangible NFTs. Okay. So those are the tokens, NFTs, that are uh, connected to a smart product in the real world. And uh, the data coming from the smart product updates the metadata of the NFT, Okay. uh, kind of upgrades the stats of the NFT. And then uh, this NFT has more utility than it had before. If I purchase the smart insole that you guys sell, um, that does not come with an NFT. I can use the smart insole separately for weight tracking and tracking steps. Uh, and then if I want to participate in the, the Web3 aspect of the product, I purchase an NFT and then I, and then I start we, using it. We stopped selling uh, insoles uh, from 1st of May this year uh, with, the, with the launch of Alpha version of Modern. Okay. So we are completely shifting away from just selling to B2C. The, okay. We might keep selling B2B, but in this case, uh, you, the only way to get now, the only way to get Embry insoles is that 
become an alpha tester for Modern Got it. and buy one of the C uh, CT NFTs we launched in OpenSea. And it, it comes with, the, with an insult. So you get a code okay. to it's redeem, yeah. redeem to get the insults. Okay, so, so you buy the NFT and then get yeah. the insult. Okay. And then um, how do you guys reward people for using the, the product? Right now, people just put the insole in their shoes, connect it to their application, which is connected to their NFTs, and they just start to move. We are following the World Health Organization's structure of like the concept of a healthy day, mm -hmm. and they start earning cryptocurrency when they do more than 2,000 steps a day. A day. And we stop rewarding them when they do 30,000 steps because it it's can be unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too yeah. much. So they just move, they walk, and uh, we reward them for the uh, continuous walking or running for now, like the activity uh, of running or walking. It's not just uh, mingling around or right. Uh, doing some meetings in a um, standing position, but when you start to walk and your walking process, but you don't need to hit start or stop because we can differentiate it right. uh, from our data. Got it. Okay. Yeah, also worth mentioning that we also plan to decrease the earnings uh, if a user sits more than two hours in a row and then does not stand. Interesting. Okay. And is this a token that uh, you guys have your own token that uh, uh, the user gets rewarded with? Yeah, uh, in, we, we haven't uh, launched the smart contract yet, but uh, it's uh, in our plan for next two months. Mm -hmm. And we are introducing a new uh, crypto token uh, called Embry Move to Earn token. Mm -hmm. We call it EMET. Uh, and uh, users are going to be rewarded with emits. With emits, yeah. Also, unlike other uh, these type of applications, we don't require the GPS data, so um, people can choose to not give the GPS data. And also, they can work out at gyms, like run in the treadmill and uh, earn as well. Mm -hmm. But um, available applications that require GPS and they push to run or walk only outside. I'm interested in this idea of crypto rewards. It seems like um, more and more startups are exploring this as a way to incentivize their user base to use the products more. And what I'm really curious about is how the economics of this works. So it's understandable why the user would want to, to use it because they get paid for it. What about on your side? Why is it valuable for a startup like you to create this um, uh, this environment? Almost every project that starts uh, we, with the crypto rewards, in the beginning, they are like uh, Ponzi schemes. Right. Uh, all have these risks, uh, including ours. So the first phase, we generate the pool of rewards uh, from the sales of the NFTs, like users pay to become part of the community to be able to use the app and start earning mm -hmm. the the long-term game here is that what projects will be able to attract uh, partners let's think about that together uh, who are benefiting from uh, people walking more of course insurance government uh, NGOs some mm -hmm. organizations that are actually either spending money to get people to move more, or if people move more, they are saving money. 
right? If I have uh, heart problems and I walk 5,000 steps a day, then my insurance benefits from that because right. uh, the likelihood that I will end up being in the hospital is right. uh, decreasing, right? So this is the long-term uh, plan. And here uh, you have to uh, have a technology that that is reliably storing data, right. collecting and storing data. So insurance wants to pay that, right? Right. So uh, you got the idea where, where, where this is heading. So the first step is that users are uh, investing money and uh, those who are walking more, they are getting the rewards. Right. Uh, then second phase would be the closest phase would be partnering with consumer brands that are uh, interested to pay for the exposure. Mm -hmm. Let's say uh, shoe brands would like to have a NFTs, the shoes, virtual shoes, uh, branded shoes with their right. brand, right? And and buy tokens for that. Mm -hmm. Those investing money into the pool uh, and users get rewards. And actually, now we are talking to top of the top uh, couple of shoe brands, but uh, unfortunately, we we are under NDA and can't disclose. <laughs> yeah, we can't disclose. But stay tuned; we'll right. have announcements uh, very soon. And also, not only shoe brands, we are talking also other uh, consumer brands, let's say watch brands. And um, the, um, so we see the interest here. Mm -hmm. Other phase is that we, we are planning to open the marketplace for artists to create their own and mint their own NFTs. And part of the uh, sales will come into the reward pool. And the last phase would be insurances and the governments. So uh, kind of we are becoming a intermediary, a platform where those who are benefiting from people walking and running, moving, uh, are rewarding those people. Right. But, and, and we are organizing, uh, collecting the data, providing uh, right. the reliability and um, like getting cut share from, from the transactions. Right. So you guys are incentivizing people to do this uh, productive activity, walking and moving more. You're able to um, accurately collect this data and provide it to people for whom it might be valuable. And then the end users, even the your consumers, get something of value to too. For instance, their insurance could go down because um, because if they're they're living a healthier lifestyle, then their insurance premium should be lower. Absolutely. Okay, that's and a really actually, interesting Actually, they're model. becoming healthier. Right. They're benefiting like from both sides. They're becoming healthier yeah. and they uh, they get rewards. Right. And actually, the mission of the company is to turn health control struggle into stress-free and fun experience. So right. in this way, we can shift that uh, from being a struggle right. to fun. Very cool. Okay. Um, I'm curious about uh, what other data points do you provide? Is it uh, right now, is it weights and steps? So right now, even we don't provide the weight, we are shifting from just giving the data points into the whole uh, ecosystem of move to earn. So uh, we are just showing the uh, emits they're earning, mm -hmm. the tokens they're earning, and we are showing the number of steps they, uh, they did for that earning. Uh, we're still collecting many data points, but now you can only, uh, you are just seeing the numbers for your steps and your earnings, and that's all for right now. Um, to add to what Nara said, uh, we are tracking almost every physical activity you do, 
but we are being uh, cautious and smart about that, what we want to show the user. Right. So we, we show users aggregated things mm -hmm. uh, and your earnings dep depends on so many coefficients and factors. Let's say uh, the, the NFT shoe you have and the activity you do, uh, the, the suitability of the shoe and the activity, the weather, the intensity of the activity you are right. doing there. Uh, down the road, we are going to add more and more factors mm -hmm. and connecting the real with the virtual more and more. Mm -hmm. So your avatar is getting better if you actually physically getting better. Right. So this is completely new concept when you can connect yourself to your avatar. So if imagine if you run every single day in the mornings, your avatar gets fitter or right. stronger in, in your um, like in metaverse or in the virtual world right. in your game or even your NFT can become stronger and uh, more expensive when you run or you do certain activities. So this is completely new concept when we can uh, use wearable technology to connect virtual to a real world. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your team today. Uh, how big are you guys in size and uh, how many of you are here in Armenia and do you have uh, employees abroad as well? Uh, the team is, uh, I would say, uh, the biggest achievements of the company. Uh, we, we have been able to recruit top talent, uh, like world-class talent available in Armenia and uh, people who are passionate about building uh, hardware and software products. And we have people who, who joined us like naturally pinging us, finding us, telling us we want to work with you. We had cases when we didn't even pay at the beginning. People volunteered. Then we, we felt bad. And actually, we, we, we make sure we reward everybody who brings value uh, onto the table uh, fairly. And um, uh, speaking of the team, I, I would also emphasize the advisory board we have. Uh, we have uh, the director uh, of uh, marketing, uh, one of the top NFT projects, is advising us, Talar Malakian from LA, uh, and also uh, Armen from the manufacturing site I mentioned earlier, and uh, uh, other entrepreneurs, uh, successful entrepreneurs in health and uh, tech world. Uh, the R&D team is in Armenia, uh, where we originally started. We have all office also in uh, California, in Glendale, uh, where uh, we spend a lot of time. We don't have employees there yet. Uh, me and Nara are spending uh, half of, uh, of the year doing the business development side in the U.S. But the product is getting created here in Armenia. I know you have some thoughts on uh, building companies as a couple, uh, and you guys are a married couple. So why don't you guys tell us what your experience has been like? Uh, well, um, uh, I don't complain, That's but it, it's not. <laughs> but, but it's not easy. Nara and I both have uh, like strong personalities and uh, our own perceptions and visions. Most of the time, we don't share. That initiates a fight, discussion. But always, uh, we come out of these fights with better version of our uh, visions and perceptions and Even so ourselves, on. Even ourselves, better versions of yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and, and that really helps to do smart decisions. And uh, there is a, a legend about, about couples. 
old legend that says uh, like uh, hu- human uh, used to be a superhuman, but then uh, God decided them uh, to male and females. And if you and, and it's like a puzzle. If you find the right fit, then y- you both become a superhuman. I feel like with Nare we found that, and that's our superpower to to run the company. Oh, that's great to hear. How much of your team is uh, hardware engineers, and how much of your team is on the software side? Uh, I wouldn't put it in that way. Okay. I don't like this question. For example, our CTO is like brilliant guy, a fantastic guy. I uh, I had hard times uh, letting go the, the the role of CTO. But the guy convinced me. <laughs> uh, so uh, there are people who, who are I-shaped and there are people who, who are T-shaped and there are people who are uh, mixed-shaped. So uh, I-shaped people are the people who have narrow uh, expertise in, in, in narrow field and T-shaped people are people who have narrow expertise in one field and uh, a little bit uh, um, expertise in two other other fields, and uh, when you have engineers like that, when like they don't have boundaries, they are engineers. They are system engineers. Right. They understand the technology. They have uh, deep uh, backgrounds. Then, y- then uh, you don't differentiate if you have hardware engineers and so- or software engineers. Though, like we have two or three people who are mainly doing hardware, let's say mechanical engineering, uh, PCB design, uh, though some of them also can code and vice versa. We have software engineers who, who, can, uh, who can prototype, who can uh, solder, uh, solder uh, and, and right. so on. Right. Now, those early days of the startup, it's important that people wear multiple hats, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and, and adding to that, uh, I, uh, so... I would say that uh, some some companies, some people got uh, Mark Andreessen wrong. He said uh, once he said uh, software is eating the world, right. and he meant that um, there are so many areas that we c- that we can utilize software and solve a lot of problems. Uh, but n- not every problem is solvable with with software, and still you need hardware to run your software, right? Right. And what we see, uh, a lot of companies uh, uh, go hire PhDs in laser physics, in radio physics, and uh, pay them high salaries and ask them to learn Python, to apply machine learning algorithms and solve problems that are really easy solvable with, with hardware. Of course, we know about like distribution problems, manufacturing problems, and so on. But still, if you hire 20 PhDs and tell them learn Python right. to solve this problem with bad hardware, with bad sensors, you, you would pick one or two of them and just give the problem and right. tell them solve the problem. Right. And you'll see they are easily solving the problem with hardware. Right, right. I think often we, we've started to just default to software because... Uh, the valley it seems like it took a shift towards just software and moved away from the the science and the deep tech but i think we're taking a shift back to it now uh, people yeah. people are afraid of hardware so that yeah. U- us uh, lost his, his capacity of building right. and uh, manufacturing right. hardware now now they are 
after COVID, everybody understood that Europeans were right, yeah. keeping <laughs> keeping in-house, yeah. even though maybe in terms of business, it's not uh, very rational. And cost it's effective. not high profitable. But if it's sustainable, right. you should have your own manufacturing. Yeah, I think COVID really highlighted the importance of local manufacturing for Absolutely. every market. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, wearable tech and and the and your product roadmap. Uh, so insoles are a, a unique uh, wearable, I would say. Uh, most of the wearables we see today are on your hands or wrists. Um, is there any unique data points that insoles provide that are harder to come by from uh, something on the wrist or on your finger, for instance? Speaking of uh, where wearables are heading, uh, so uh, we see that uh, the biggest threat for the phone, for the smartphone in near future are the wearables. We believe that uh, the smartphone as a form factor will disappear and the functionalities and the features it provides will be divided between the smartwatch, the earbuds, the glass and the shoe, of course, and the clothing, right? This is the early days. And uh, I don't see wearables uh, competing together unless they are in the same part of the body. Hmm. Let's say everybody is competing for, for owning the worst, right? right. We are uh, about to own the feet, right? right? So, but I don't see a uh, smart shoe competing with a smartwatch or a smartwatch competing with a smart glass, right? They eventually will gravitate towards what is easier, what is more user experience, uh, is better, is user friendly, mm -hmm. and the functionalities will, will divide in between. Mm -hmm. Speaking of smart shoes, uh, so shoes knows uh, more about us than we can imagine. Like uh, how many steps, what activities, uh, what positions, uh, what kind of shoe, on what time of a day, how many times in a year, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So imagine that today, like smart uh, shoe can connect with the virtual world and you are uh, storing the story of your shoe, your, sto your own story or story of uh, behaviors and habits of yours in terms of uh, being physical, physically active is stored there. Right. And this is uh, unique to the shoe. You can't do that with wristband or, or glass or something like that and especially the weight data. We, we never had the chance to have historical and consistent weight data, right? right? Body weight, I, I'm talking about body weight. And we don't know what it can change, what is in the, that data. I remember uh, a few years ago reading about um, professional athletes using uh, smart shoes, I guess it's probably something like smart insoles to improve their, their training. I guess the data that they collect from their training to make their training uh, process more efficient and things like mm -hmm. that. So do you see things like these uh, smart shoes that have only been available to professional athletes and uh, people like that becoming more democratized in the coming years and uh, you know fitness enthusiasts and things and people like that having access to that type of data? I love the way you think about that. So uh, there is sports and there is uh, health. Right. And uh, in the middle, there is general wellness, right. well-being. We saw a good implementation of shoes, like sensorized shoes or, or insoles, 
in both sides uh, in sports and in uh, uh, medicine mm-hmm. both are early days but they are uh, in terms of like uh, sensorizing shoe is not easy mm. those products are bulky expensive and uh, though they solve the problem, but if you have an acute, you don't care if it's bulky or expensive. Hmm. If you are a professional athlete, you don't care if it's bulky. Right. But if if it's a lifestyle product, then you have yeah. have the problems. This is where we are the best. Right. So this is like we are democratizing the technology, the shoe technology, we design in a way that it becomes everyday lifestyle product and adds ton of value into everyday life right, right actually we have a very big challenge to make it like comfortable enough to wear all the day and like soft enough to not hurt and uh dirty enough to not break so it, it was really a challenge and we we came up with uh, this first version and we are improving like in every cycle and eventually it will become kind of a part of the shoe mm-hmm. in the future yeah Okay, and let's get to the future. Um, what are your hopes for the future of Embrytech in, let's say, the next five to ten years? So in five years, we uh, we believe uh, we'll be uh, serving millions of people, changing lives, and uh, modernizing the world. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the future, uh, if we imagine the future, we see that like every smartphone has a camera today. Every shoe will have Embry technology. And uh, we have big hope that it will uh, not last more than 10, 15 years from now. Until you get there. Uh, until we get there, yeah. yeah. Naga, do you have anything to add to that? So uh, actually that vision, it drives all the team, uh, having the technology inside all the shoes. Yeah. And uh, it turned out to be very logical that they must be smart because like we are carrying our shoes almost everywhere. And uh, even if we stop to wear our clothes in the future, we need to wear the shoes. So we need to use that space uh, to benefit from that space. Uh, We we see people sitting less and moving more uh, and walking, uh, choosing walking than driving car Mm -hmm. or sitting all the day in offices. Well, I know about the space is in its very early days and uh, you guys are uh, now shipping and getting started. So I wish you luck with that. And I hope in the future you guys come back on and tell us uh, how, how the product and how the company is going. Thank you both so much for being on today. Thank you, Thank so you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you.